to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. This is part two of the three-part series with Adam Adams, where he discusses how to create meaningful relationships with investors using live in-person meetups. If you haven't heard part one yet, we suggest you go to that episode first before listening to this one. Let's dive into it. Okay, so the three pillars. The first one is social media. (laughs) The second one is live in-person events. And you can accomplish live and in-person in many different ways. One, you can have a storefront. This is a lot of people, they have a storefront where people can come in and meet in person. I think that's so important. The way that I accomplish it is these conferences that I host or my meetup. Actually, lately, I haven't been doing the meetup because as we're recording this, we're still in COVID times. It's been months, but I still haven't had in-person meetup for a little while. You can kind of get over some of the things that you get from having a live and in-person event or a meetup or a storefront you can actually achieve through Zoom. Like right now, I feel like I have a connection with both of you because we're like face-to-face. We can see each other's facial expressions. You know, we're really connecting. And I think that even Zoom is enough for you to be able to connect with your passive investors. But I found that it helps a lot when you can host a giant conference because then people get to see you over a course of a few days. You get to go and meet them over a course of a few days. And that kind of starts building those relationships that you need for those past investors to be investing with you in your deal. So meetups, huge way. Zoom like this, good enough. A storefront, good enough if you can afford to have a storefront where people can walk in and walk out. Another really beneficial way, and this goes back to that one question that you had, Eileen, you said, how to get those relationships, like really to basically cultivate the relationship. And that's what I think that meeting in person or face-to-face like this does. It allows you to streamline that. Just the social media alone and just the thought leadership platform that I'm about to talk about, if you only did one of those, I don't think you could move it as fast from no like to trust. I don't think you could move it as fast without somehow meeting face-to-face. So huge, very important. And you can have whatever, like, let's just pretend like you just wanted to have, you wanted to have a passive investor boot camp, or you wanted to have a workshop about alternative investments for accredited investors. And you just have a boot camp about that thing. What you're basically doing is you're adding value. You're being in front of them for some time. With meetups, it's a lot of times over time. So anyway, live in person, a lot of ways to do it. Workshops, boot camps, conferences, meetups, you name it. And for the third pillar, again, we talked about social media, meeting in person, and now it's thought leadership. You could write a book. Yeah, a hand a hand <laughs> from the back. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I have a question about the meetup. So do you have any recommendation or strategy of how hosting a successful meetup? And uh, and after the meetup, what type of investor follow-ups or anything like that that you can recommend to make that good relationship? Yeah, I do. There's three parts to hosting a meetup. There's three major parts, okay? 
There's the marketing of it to get people there. There's the hosting it while you're actually there. And then there's what you do after. Prior to a meetup, a couple of tips that can help is instead of just letting the meetup event be on meetup and that's it, you can go a little bit further with your promotion. Some things that I've done and I've had clients that I've helped as a consultant to help them with meetups and the things that I've seen work for them and me is instead of just doing one place, do multiple places. When you get your meetup group in the first place, when you pay for it, I think it's like 80 bucks a year or 80 bucks every six months or something like this. Once you pay for that, did you know that you actually get three different meetups for that one price? They don't start charging you more until you get your fourth meetup. So it's just one of the ideas when we look at this book that I almost didn't read because the guy is so arrogant. It's called The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Grant seems to have lots of success. He seems to understand sales. I don't have any problem with him, except for the fact that he always just comes across so arrogant to me that it turns me off. So I never wanted to read this book, 10X Rule. But when I finally did, I learned a lot about the thing that I'm sharing with you right now. We want to market it on all three of those potential meetups. We also want to put it on Eventbrite. We also want to put it on Facebook events. We also want to private message people. We also want to call people. We also want to figure out a good pitch when we talk to those people. And to give you an example of that pitch, let's just pretend that this was a generic real estate meetup. Now, I'm not suggesting if you're looking for past investors, I might suggest you do something completely different than this. But I know that everyone listening can understand because they've probably been there before. Okay, it's a generic real estate meetup. And what you can do with these one-on-one phone calls and text messages that I just mentioned to you is you can actually reach out. Let's just pretend we have, we've got an event. Let's say it's on scope of work. Okay. S-O-W, scope of work. And scope of work only applies to fix and flippers with the scope and work. A wholesaler would never technically need to do that right? A real estate agent doesn't need to be know this. A lender has no reason to care about what your scope of work is unless they may be doing it at that one time. So what I wanted to say is I'm going to have an event about scope of work. So you'll first call, I guess, fix and flippers and you'll say, hey, John, I know that you've been fixing flipping all year. I wanted to let you know that I've got somebody who's been doing fix and flip for over 300 flips just over the last 10 years, and which is incredible. They've identified a perfect scope of work, and they're going to be talking about that scope of work next week and giving out a template. Would you like to come? I think you should come. I think it'll be beneficial for you, John. And then you call the other fix and flippers and say basically the same thing. I know you just got into fix and flipping, this is going to change your life. You should come. Then you call the other ones. Hey, I know you've been doing it for two years. This guy's been doing it for 10, done over 300. I really think you can learn something. I think you should come next week. But then when you get done calling all the fix and flippers, guess what's brilliant that we can still do to make sure that we have a lot of attendees to that event. Notice how we talked a little bit earlier, how 
I had to get out of what I wanted in order to really give value. It comes back to that again, when we are trying to get people to come to our event, we don't want to think about, hey, I want to look cool, so I need a lot of people to come. Will you please come? That's not the pitch. It's not about me anymore. When I call these wholesalers, I call the first wholesaler, hey, I just want to let you know that there's going to be a scope of work event. The only reason I'm telling you about this is because I've already talked to a bunch of awesome fix and flippers that are your perfect market, that are all going to be at this event. And I know that as a wholesaler, you're going to need to have good fix and flippers on your list. So I wanted to invite you anyway. Plus, if you ever start to fix and flip, which most wholesalers want, you'll have this scope of work for yourself too. But really, I just think if you want to make money in this business, you need to see all of the fix and flippers that I have. It's like shooting ducks in a pond. It's so easy to get your perfect market because they're all going to be there. And I keep calling wholesalers and saying that. And then I call lenders and I let the lenders know, hey, lender, a bunch of people that are doing deals are going to be here. I've already know that this many fix and flippers are coming this many real estate agents, this many wholesalers. I really think that if you made it to any events this year that you need to be there next week and you just keep making those calls, this is the best way to really get the value out of those calls. So along with posting it everywhere, et cetera, is doing those one-on-one calls. Now the one-on-one calls take some time, but if you use the pitch that I just shared with you where you're thinking about what's in it for them, I think they'll really get a lot of value to growing a meetup group. And there's something like, it's called social proofing. It's a psychological, basically it's set in stone. It's always, always there, social proofing. So just imagine if you wanted to go to a restaurant that claimed that they were the best restaurant ever, and you went in and, and it wasn't COVID times, you went in and you were the only table and there was like five staff and they were all staring at you and but no other tables were full you would think that something was wrong like the social proof that you would be getting is that nobody really wants to come here or at least they don't want to come here on Tuesdays or after 5 I came at the wrong time I need to leave that's what you're thinking but when you go in and they have a line out the door just like recently In-N-Out Burgers opened a new restaurant close to my house. In-N-Out Burger, it had a 12-hour wait. Their burgers aren't even that good. They're good, (laughs) but they're not 12 hours wait good. (laughs) 12 hours. And so now you're looking at, oh my goodness, they've got a line for 12 hours. I got to try that burger. It's social proofing telling you the opposite. So as you are thinking about the meetups, You want to make sure that every meetup that you have can, I guess, communicate the social proofing of the value of your meetup, which means don't start a brand new meetup and have nobody there or three people there because there's going to be three people that look around and say, I really came here to network. There's really nobody to network with. I really wanted to have to try out a meetup where people liked it. Obviously, not very many people like this one. I'm going to look for a new one next week, next month. But on the flip side, if you can kind of control it with the massive marketing, getting people there, one-on-one calls, 
Now, when they actually attend, they will feel like, wow, this is a popular one. I need to keep coming. And that's exactly what they say. So we've talked a little bit about how to get people into the meetup. Let's talk about what to do at the meetup. Here's just a few tips. I don't want you to sell. I don't want you to be like selling a product all the time. I don't want you to be pushy. I want you to maybe be pulley, not pushy. Don't push your stuff on people. Maybe let them know what you do. In my case, this is how I became pulley instead of pushy when I was running my meetup. I would have let everybody have an opportunity to introduce themselves. And I would be the first example. I would say, you all have a 30 seconds to introduce yourself. I like giving them 30 seconds because they feel like they're heard. Even introverted people like to be able to tell the whole, it's actually easier for an introverted person to introduce himself because they don't have to go and shake hands one-on-one after. That's scary. But saying it when they're called on, that's much easier. They might feel a little self-conscious, but they feel like they got value. So I have everyone introduce himself. But what I do myself is I say, let me go first. To give you an example, what I'm saying is I'm giving you an example. There's air quotes there. I'm doing more than just giving them an example. I want to work with them. But I just say, tell us what you do. Tell us about your business. Tell us how you can help us and do that within 30 seconds. Let me go first. My name is Adam Adams. I buy apartments with my friends. If you want to be one of my friends and buy apartments with us, feel free to reach out. I have some room on our next project. Something like that. And that took about five or six seconds to do what I told people to do 30 seconds on. It's going to show them to kind of go shorter. It's also going to show them that because I'm running it, I'm not just thinking that I can take more time. A lot of organizers actually do that. They're like, well, I'm the person who owns it. I'm the one who organizes it. So I get five minutes. You only get 30 seconds. I never do that. Leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. So you just say something to the effect of, I do apartments. I do multifamily. That's what I've been doing since 2007, actually. And if you want to be involved in some of the deals that I do, you can. Just let me know and we'll have a conversation about it. And that's it. And it makes it very approachable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so that's part of it is I let everybody introduce themselves. I myself tell them what I do and I get to tell them every single time. I'm the only one who comes 100% of the time, right? So everybody knows who I am. I'm the leader of the group, so they look up to me. And additionally, things that we can do to have a good, solid meetup group are let them introduce themselves. We need to add value. Always need to give value. We need to have integrity. And all I mean by that is if we say we're going to do something, then we have to do it. One example of integrity is if we say we're going to start at noon, we start at noon. We don't start at 1220 and have all the people that got there on time feel like they were put out. You have to have integrity. If you say that they're going to learn a certain thing and they all make plans to come out there at noon that day, I say noon because my meetup is a lunch club, and they're all leaving work just so they can get this value, you better darn well deliver the value. Because if they come and they feel like they got bait and switched, if they feel like it was all a sales pitch, if they feel like that you promised that they would have a chance to connect with each other and you don't offer these things, they're going to leave you. It's not going to work out. Some of the things that I make sure that I do at the meetup is I have every single person sign in. I got a couple tricks on how to get people to sign in because there are the people that dart past, cover their eyes and they try to not sign in. 
what I'll do is I'll put the table right at the front. And for the people that I know don't really want to sign in, or if I sense it, then I just give a warm smile and a handshake. Welcome. Good to see you. My name is Adam. And I shake their hand and I talk to them. And then I say something to the effect of, I'd love to get more into that. Let's talk after. For now, go ahead and sign in and I'll meet you in there. And it's strange psychological trick. We've connected. And so now when I say go ahead and sign in, they actually do sign in. They don't feel awkward doing it anymore. They just, they're like, okay, okay. And they just sign in. They forget about how bad they didn't want to. Anyway, so there's that. You need that for the part that I'm going to share later, which is to follow up. Other things to add value, make sure that you follow along with your promises when it starts, when the presenter goes up, when it ends, if they have time to network, anything that you say, you need to make sure that it comes true. Now, some of us feel like we are, some of us resist the thought of being strict, like we just resist rules and structure. So for those of us who resist it, just know that there's more people that appreciate the structure than don't. And so if you're one of those people that generally would be like, oh, we just start whenever we just like go to whenever you're actually going to let a lot of people down by being yourself in this case. So even though you don't want to keep the structure, you should do your best to keep that structure, mostly because of the integrity that we mentioned a moment ago. And so this is how to keep people coming to the meetup. Now on the third part of how to get them to come back, there's a few things to do. While you're at the meetup, you should be taking pictures. Take pictures of smiling faces, handsome faces, pretty faces. Take pictures of those people that are there at your meetup. Smiling, shaking hands, networking, etc. Take picture of the presenter. Take some takeaways from today's meetup. What are my big takeaways? You've got to spend this time to understand what are your big takeaways. I get it that you might not even want to learn the things. You're just hosting it. Spend the time to take notes and understand what's going on with the meetup, with the presenter. Now that you're done with it, you're going to send out meetup. You're going to send out things through meetup, through the email list. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Here's some images that you can share on your social media if you want to. And you get a few of them sharing. And you get a few of them saying, I was there. And you get a few other people saying, whoa, I didn't know about this. When's the next one? And they start asking questions. So this is a huge thing to do afterward. The next thing that I would say is with the email list that you grew, because they're signing in with what I have them use is name, phone number, email address. It's very simple. And I have multiple clipboards so that they don't even have to wait they don't have to wait for the same clipboard because that just slows everybody down. So I got multiple clipboards and all of them just have like 10 open slots for people to fill in. But I have like five or 10 of these and I just give them out and then they start passing them around. It makes it so much easier to collect that data. Then I usually take that info and I give it to a virtual assistant if you have one, if you can utilize one. If not, then it's either your child, somebody that works with you, that partners with you, your business partner, maybe they don't mind it as much as I do. I don't ever want to have to transcribe all of this stuff into one place, but I want to be able to pay somebody that would like to do that. So you get it all. And with your follow-up emails, you're going to reach out to people when you have a deal. You might say, hey, wanted to let you know, 
that, by the way, this can only go out to people you've met. It depends. There's a lot of legalities to this. So just take it to an attorney. How do I make what Adam's saying right now happen? We've made it happen, but I don't, we don't have time to teach you all of the laws. I'm just letting you know for us, the email that I'm talking about only goes to people that I actually have met in person. I know that I go to every single meeting. I know that they're at all the meetings. And so the first one is we've got an opportunity. Would you like to know more about it? And they might respond. If they respond, then I put them on a different type of email list. It's one with just my passive investors. If they don't say that they want to, then I try not to send them messages about that anymore. Does that make sense? Yes. That's kind of how I follow up. Anyway, a lot of different things. Um, We use ActiveCampaign instead of MailChimp or uh, Contact Plus or whatever. There's a few different ways to email people. You can use Gmail's got some functions for being able to utilize emailing multiple people at a time. For us, we use Active Campaign, even though it costs, I think, $200 a month, which is a lot for some of these platforms. We use it because it is better. So if you can afford that couple hundred bucks, then I believe that it'll be easier for you to follow up. If not, you will be able to follow up on something like MailChimp that starts out free until you hit a certain number. And I think it might be like 500 names or 5,000 names. All of a sudden, they start charging $50 a month. So yeah, I like that platform to be able to help us connect with them. Another thing is I'll use that same email list for the next event. So now instead of just going to Facebook and these other places, Meetup itself, I'll also email them through this email list of people that have already attended. Hey, you came to the last meetup, come to the next meetup. You know, hey, you don't want to miss out. As a reminder, it's this day. As you noticed, I'm sure you noticed, everything that I talked about in step one, getting them there, step two, keeping them there and getting value, and step three, getting them to come back, it's all marketing. That's the name of the game. It's all promotion. It's all reach out. It's all that thinking ahead. I've got to take pictures while I'm here. I've got to connect with people while I'm here. I've got to remember their names so I can reach out to them one-on-one later. It's all your thought process needs to be around adding value to them, but also connecting with them while they're there and keeping them coming back. And marketing seems to be the name of the game. We hope that you are enjoying the series so far. We are grateful to Adam for sharing his tips on how to run a successful live in-person meetup today. Tune in tomorrow for the final part in this series where Adam will be sharing the importance of having a thought leadership platform. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.